please open to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And um, we're going to be looking at a very famous passage in the book of Isaiah in chapter 9. But I have to confess to you that um, coming into this Christmas, I was a little flat. Anybody here like that? Yeah, it's, uh, if you get out there on the streets, people are miserable at the moment. It's not like normal Christmas. People are miserable, all the stuff that's going on in our society. And I was flatter than ever before. And, um, you know, we've had the big church move. We're all exhausted, etc. We've got Lily House under construction. Um, we've got, uh, you know, the government bringing in rules and all this sort of stuff. And if you get out on the streets, people seem to be more miserable this Christmas than ever before. And I have to confess, that was getting to me. I was feeling that way. But sometimes God speaks in the little things, doesn't he? And what happened was I, I decided to put up the tree. Fiona said, you better put up the Christmas tree. And we put up the Christmas tree in our house. And when we, we, we did it with Kaylee and with Lily. And when the lights came on, they squealed with delight. And the Lord said to me, you know what? This is the only Christmas they get. Make it special. And I was really rebuked because I wasn't feeling the love. But when those lights went on, those kids went nuts. They were excited. And I thought, man, we need to get excited about Christmas, don't we? Not, not go around as miserable as everybody else. It's the only Christmas they get, so we need to make it special. So look, I agree, and we're talking with many of you, the world is a dark, dark place right now, darker than I can ever remember, certainly in our society. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. See, now maybe he was speaking to us for, at, at such a time as this. Maybe he was speaking to us at such a Christmas as this, that we should not join the happy throng of miserable people out there, but that we should have a light shining in us that shines into the darkness. Do I hear a, an agreeance with that? I think this is our great opportunity. So I want to have a little look at Christmas through the eyes of Isaiah and, um, and at some of the aspects of Christmas that, we, that we, we're familiar with that we sometimes miss. First of all, let's talk about Christmas light. And as I say, you know, they've got more than 100,000 of these lights out at their place, at the West Place. Light is a part of Christmas. Have you ever noticed that? And which is kind of weird here because we don't live... I mean, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and it's, it's winter, it's very dark. Even in the day, it's dark a lot of times. And so light's very important up there. But for us, it's still really important here. You know, one of the things about light, though and I can say this because I is an optometrist, is that light shines brightest when all around is darkness. And the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. Okay? If you light a candle in this room, it won't be very impressive. If you light it in a cave where there is no light, it will light the whole cave up. You'll think that you've turned on a halogen. So that's what light is like. It shines brightest compared to what is around it. And so Isaiah wrote this passage in Isaiah chapter 9, at a time when things were really, really, really dark for the people of Israel. And he wrote one of the greatest messianic prophecies ever recorded. Centuries before Jesus was born, he wrote about it. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Now, let me paint the picture for you what he was facing. You think we've got it tough. Man, back then, the northern kingdom had already gone into exile and had fallen to the cruel but mighty Assyrians. And the southern kingdom was next on the agenda. There was fear and darkness all around, a sense of loss, a sense of hopelessness. God seemed distant. The country seemed ruined. The people seemed hopeless. The situation seemed dark. But into this darkness, the prophet Isaiah shone a ray of light. So if you look at Isaiah chapter 9, if you have your Bible there, 
Verse 2 says this, The people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. So darkness and deep darkness. They're actually two different words in Hebrew. The first one, the word darkness is the word hesek, which means darkness, obscurity, and night. But the second one is the word salmaut, which means the shadow of death. The second one, when it says people have been in, in darkness, they say it's dark. In deep darkness, it means the shadow of death. It's the same word in Hebrew that is used in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So what Isaiah is saying here, things are so bad, death is lurking right there. They're living in the shadow of death. And right now, if you look around at our society, people are living under the shadow of death. People are fearful of COVID and all this sort of stuff and the new variants and these, these draconian laws they're bringing in to try and sort of deal with it and all this sort of stuff. Our land, our nation is covered in a moral, mental and spiritual darkness. It really is. I, I can't remember ever looking at Australia and seeing as much darkness as this. But the other night I went out and I looked, it was just sunset and the sun was going down and I looked out at the sunset and I saw one bright star, probably a planet I'm guessing, but one really bright one, but couldn't see anything else. Then I waited a few minutes, I looked back again, then I saw a bunch of kind of little stars around there as it got darker. And then before long, as the, as the light went down, thousands, millions of stars appeared. It was incredible. It was like a miracle. All those tiny lights remind me of a spiritual truth. All of the stars were already in place even when I only saw one. The rest was still there. It just wasn't dark enough to see them. And maybe that's the case right now. I want to remind you that God has already given us everything we need to fight, everything we need to stand, everything we need to proclaim Christ in our nation. He's already given it to us. To, to win all the spiritual battles we are facing. We have access to the authority that is needed to defeat the enemy on every front. But sometimes things need to get darker for us to actually see God's hands better. Sometimes the darkest it is, the more we can see the hand of God. God does a lot of his best work in the dark. He really does, because that's our opportunity to shine. So rather than being flat like everyone else at Christmas, I want to declare to you today that before us in 2022 we have the greatest opportunity in our history i'm not getting down i'm getting fired up because never before have we had a situation where our nation is on its knees like this what an opportunity i think this is incredible for us so rather than getting down i think we should get excited don't you because this is the greatest opportunity in history because the darker it gets, the brighter we can shine. And I'm excited going forward. The second thing about Christmas is we do a lot of gift giving. Do you do gift giving a lot in your family? I have a confession to make. Where's Fiona? She'll go crook at me if I say, no, I'll say it anyway. In our, in our family, um, we used to do Secret Santa. You know Secret Santa? where you buy a gift, you pull someone out of a hat and you buy a gift for them. Well, I didn't like that because the gifts were always rubbish and I could never figure out what to buy. And So we invented something called Selfish Santa, where you go and buy yourself a gift. <laughs> and it works really well. Way better than Secret Santa. Way better. But gift giving, even to yourself, is a part of Christmas. Isaiah 9 verse 2 says, The people who've walked in great 
in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. So that light is the greatest gift that mankind ever received. When we were lost in our sins, Colin spoke about this morning, when we were lost in our sins, Jesus Christ came and laid his life down for us. When we were separated from God with no hope, with no eternity, with disaster before us on every front, he gave, he sent his one and only son. <coughs> the most famous verse in the Bible, of course, is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life how good is that what a gift you talk about the best gift that is the best gift but isaiah centuries before jesus was born in a stable in bethlehem he prophesied this in verse 6 and 7 of of isaiah 9 you'll be familiar with this but i want to pick these apart this morning for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government or dominion shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and and of peace which is shalom for those of you who know a bit of hebrew there will be no end and on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this oh them's farting words i like it because in the middle of all that darkness, Isaiah stands up and proclaims a baby born in Bethlehem. But he's the saviour of the world. Now, I know many of you here. I've spoken with many of you. You've been hurt by what our government is doing or not doing. Uh, it's all anyone talks about or argues about or anything like that. But it's causing disunity even in our community. I want to urge you in the name of the Lord to take your eyes off what the government is doing and put them back on Jesus. Seriously. Seriously. Because the the anger, the fear, and the disunity across our community, let it not affect us. Let us stand together as one in unity. So take your eyes off all the stuff they're talking about and mandates and vaccines, all that rubbish. Put them back on Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Because I believe that he still is the hope of the world. He always has been and he always will be. And he is the loving gift that was given to us that first Christmas day. Eternal life and reconnection with the God who loves you. That's what's really important. I do not believe that Jesus will be standing at the gates of heaven asking if you're double vaxxed. He's not going to be doing that. It doesn't matter two hoots in eternity. What matters is if you love Jesus. That's what matters. So we need to keep the main thing the main thing and stop getting deflected by all this junk. We need to offer hope to our people more than ever outside of any of those things. The third thing about Christmas, you've got Christmas lights You've got, you got um, Christmas gifts, but you've also got a Christmas Lord. You see, I believe that more than ever before, we need to champion the gospel this Christmas, don't you? We need to shine the light of, of the gospel into the dark hearts of mankind. Now, look, most of you will know the Christmas story, and uh, we're going to be celebrating that next week using Scripture, Scripture alone, I might add, uh, in our, our little uh, production next week. But today, like Isaiah, I wanted, he, he took a light and shone it into the darkness that was his community at that time. And I want to shine that same light into the darkness that is the 21st century Australia. Jesus came to earth as a baby. He grew into a man. He healed and he blessed and he taught us truth. Then he willingly chose to lay his life down in our place. Then he rose from death to show us that death is a conquered enemy. And that's the gospel. That's the light. That's what we should be proclaiming. 
That's what our world desperately, desperately needs right now. So I want to examine what Isaiah said about this Christmas gift from God. And remember, he wrote this centuries before Jesus was even, even born in that stable in Bethlehem. Centuries before. But he, he prophetically looked into it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why give him four names like that? Let's find out. First of all, Wonderful Counselor. Why would Isaiah call Jesus a Wonderful Counselor? Well, I think he might have looked forward to the sort of mental health problems we're having today. There is more mental health problems in our society than I can ever remember. If talking to anyone who works in this area, their, their mental health has just skyrocketed over the last uh, period of time. Job losses, business closures, long lockdown, prices raised, all this sort of stuff. Suicides are up, domestic violence is up, marriage breakdowns are up. All of these things are at their highest level ever experienced. And the situation is fearful and hopeless and dark. If we ever needed a wonderful counsellor, it's now. Isn't it? Now the word wonderful in the Hebrew is the word pele, which, which is only ever used to describe God. So when Isaiah says wonderful counsellor, that word wonderful only ever applies to God. It means wonderful, marvellous, supernaturally miraculous, beyond comprehension. It actually means miracle. It means miraculous. And we need some mental health miracles in our society today, don't we? And I can't do them. Trust me, I'm a terrible counsellor. I'm married to a counsellor. I get up every morning and say, good morning, sweetheart. How am I feeling today? Because she knows and I don't. But, but you know, the great counsellors that we have in here, uh, uh, Shannon and, and Tim and Fiona and Rita and others, they would all recognise that there is a more wonderful counsellor than them. And his name is Jesus. A lot of the counselling they do is with Jesus. They pray and they ask the Lord to show, show them things. Jesus is miraculous. He's wonderful and only, not only saves your soul, but he also saves your sanity sometimes. And some of us need that. If you struggle with depression, anxiety, fear, hopelessness, we can help you, but only under the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe he's the wonderful counselor, don't you? And that was part of the gift that God gave to us, the counselor that our society needs. The second name that Jesus was given is Mighty God. That in Hebrew, the word El Gibor, which means God the champion, God the, the valiant warrior. Now, if you look around at this world, you'll see fear and oppression, and you might be excused for thinking that the devil has won, but I'm telling you now, he has not won. I'm telling you now, I don't care what they say on the news, but from where I'm sitting, God is still on the throne. He's always been on the throne. He is the ruler of heaven and earth. He is the creator. And he is the defeater of the devil. The enemy is a defeated foe. The devil still has evil and intent and limited power, but he ain't going to win. I know. I've read the book. I know what happens. Sometimes if I'm really curious, I'll flip to the end of the book. If I'm worried about if the character is going to get knocked off or something, go to the end of the book, just check it out. Oh, he's still alive. Okay, cool. I can keep reading. I confess. You know, that's sad, but true. But I do that in the Bible too, and I know who wins. The enemy is a defeated foe. But look, sometimes he still has a, a, bit, of a, bit, of, a bit of a kick in him. When the Allies invaded France in 1944 and got a foothold uh, on the uh, French peninsula there, from that moment on, the Nazis were never going to win World War II. 
It just wasn't going to happen. The Russians on one side, Americans and British on the other side. It was never going to happen. But I tell you what, they fought like crazy. And they caused a lot of pain and death and destruction. Even though they were already a defeated foe, they could never win. And that's the same right now. The devil is trying to kill, steal and destroy. But I declare to you, he is a defeated foe. We've won. We've already won. That's why Isaiah says the government shall be on his shoulder. Not because because it was a nice phrase to throw in there. The government, the control, the dominion is on the shoulders of this wonderful counsel of mighty God. The government shall be upon his shoulder. That's because true power in this world does not lie with premiers, prime ministers or dictators. It lies with Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. He's the light shining in the current darkness. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians, when he's writing to... Ephesians was a dark place where they were encountering the enemy all over the place. He doesn't say, well, get in there and fight harder. Get in there and kick harder. Get in there and and protest and jump up and down. He says this, Ephesians 6.10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We feel like we're fighting the media and government and all that sort of stuff, but we are actually fighting a spiritual battle against devils right now, in this nation right now. Desperate people are coming to me now and saying, how can we fight? And, and look, I, I'm, you know, I, I love that, that our people are on the streets protesting. I love that. That we have the right, I'm amazed we still have the right to do that. But, you know, I love that we are. People are protesting, they're writing letters <coughs> letters, and, and agitating, all that, all that sort of stuff is fine. But the problem is they're not listening. They're not. They don't care. At this point, the people making those decisions do not care. The only way we can win this battle in this nation is on our knees. Because if we get, it's a spiritual battle. And if we get on our knees and we begin to pray, we will start to see things change in the heavenly because you and I can't do it. As much as we whine and whinge and complain and, 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 and you know, agitate and everything else, only God can do this in our nation. Only He can do it. Jesus came to earth that first Christmas as a baby in a manger. But I tell you what, He promises He's going to return again. And it won't be as a baby. It'll be on a white horse as a conqueror. Because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I believe that this Christmas, I've got a glimpse of the fact that this day is a lot sooner than we ever thought. It truly is. Is Jesus returning? You bet. You bet. The third thing, really interesting phrase that Isaiah would use describing this baby in a manger. An everlasting father. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's a baby. Why would you call a baby a father? But Isaiah was seeing prophetically into this. What's important for us today is that he saw prophetically through that baby in a manger, he saw an everlasting father. Not just a father, an everlasting father. What an important message for Australia. Australia has long been the land of the absent father. You know what I'm talking about. Those of you who grew up here. Like as, as long as I can remember, dads have been, you know, busy at work or down the pub with their mates and 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 children were was women's women's work did you grow up with that sort of stuff many of us did right across our nation we are seeing fathers abdicating responsibility and i'm telling you there is an everlasting father 
We need to proclaim that to our nation because they desperately need fathers in our nation. And we all need a father. Jesus has spoken here of the everlasting father, showing that he's truly God. People say, well, I think Jesus was just a man. Well, I'm sorry, Scripture doesn't uphold that. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, it says this, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom, all, from whom are all things and for, who, and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. What it's saying is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one. They're not three bits, three divisions, they're one. I don't know how it works, but they are one. And it's also saying, Jesus himself said, before, before Abraham was, I am. He was saying to the, the, the Pharisees at that time, I've been around since before your forefathers were. And they, they got it. They were going to stone him for that. But that's, see, a child born in a manger is actually the everlasting father, the same one that created the world. They're one. A father should be someone who protects and, and loves and provides and cherishes his children. Someone who looks at you with love and wants the best for you. Someone who wants you to become all you can possibly be. Jesus is that everlasting father. He always was, he always will be, and he still is today. I do not believe that this current situation has knocked him off his throne. He's still the everlasting father. The fourth name is the Prince of Peace. So finally, this, this child born in a manger is also called the Prince of Peace. And boy, do we need peace right now. Do we hear an amen to that? We really need peace. I have never before witnessed, in fact, the saddest thing for me about all of this COVID stuff is watching people turn on one another and attack one another. Yes, even Christians, it's sad. Disunity is the kryptonite of the church. It really is. If you're, if you're a fan of Superman, you'll know he can withstand anything except kryptonite. Well, the church and disunity in it is what can destroy the witness of the church. And we are giving that up over principles that are, are at best temporal in nature. The stuff we're dealing with, with all of this stuff, we need to stand together. And unity doesn't mean you agree with one another. It means you agree to disagree agreeably. You know, we can have a difference of opinion on all of these issues. I'm sure you do. Some of you are very strong in your opinions, but I want to encourage you right now, never let the strength of your opinions on the stuff that's going on around us affect your unity with other believers. Because there's way more important things in eternity than what we're dealing with here. Yes, have opinions, but don't hold your opinions so high that you stop loving others. And I'm seeing it all the time. I've seen people, I've seen whole families blown apart by their position on vaccines. That shouldn't happen, folks. Whatever your beliefs, you should be able to keep your family together and love one another. Do I hear an amen to that? It's more important that we love one another. Have your opinions, yes. Have strong opinions, that's great. But never stop loving one another. Colossians 3 verse 14 says this, and above all of these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called, uh, called in one body and be thankful. So let the peace of Christ, we need to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts right now. Because there is so much out there that's causing fear and disruption and disunity. 
I reckon if you have peace in your heart, you're going to shine like a beacon. You really are. I challenge all of us, myself included, regardless of our views on what's happening and our strong views, that we vow to keep the main thing the main thing. Would you do that with me? Would you keep Jesus Christ central in what's going on here and not get deflected by all this sort of stuff? Let's pause at this time of year and recognize that the Prince of Peace came as a baby, died as a man, rose again, and is seated at the right hand of God. The Prince of Peace is the peace and unity that we need right now. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. It's interesting, the, the Greek word for divisions is the word schisma. Does that sound familiar? From which we have the word schism, which means a renting or a tearing or a separating. So whatever your strong views, do not let those views separate you from the people of God. I've already had people tell me they're leaving this church because of something I, I did or didn't believe that, that aligned with their, their opinion on vaccines. That's, a, that's silly, folks. We need to stay together. Whatever you believe, we need to be one. Do I hear an amen to that? We need to be one. Peace is something that enables you to face anything without fear, without malice, and most importantly, with love. I love this verse in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make, make your requests known to God. And what? And the peace of God, which transforms all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. Folks, we need guarded hearts and minds today. We really do. We need that peace to guard our hearts and our minds. You have nothing to fear if you trust in Jesus. Nothing to fear. I remember seeing a little uh, uh, cartoon one day, or a little plaque, I think it was, and it said, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, there was no one there. Right? That's what it's like. And when you have peace in your heart, you can open that door without fear because you have that peace in your heart. Jesus was and is and always will be the Prince of Peace. So if you are agitated, fearful or worried, invite the Prince of Peace into your life today. Now, interestingly... Isaiah then goes on to say that the government should be on his shoulders, not ours. And I think we should take that to heart right now. I think the government should be on his shoulders, don't you? And so I, I look 100% in favor of, of making your voice known. I think that's brilliant. They're not listening, but it doesn't matter. We should do it anyway. But what we've got to do is get on our knees. And we've got to pray. And coming into this next year, I believe that God, the Lord is going to lead us into a season of prayer for our nation, for our people. And if we pray, I believe we will see things change. Do you? Because we can try all we like in our own strength. It's not going to happen, but on our knees. Prayer is the slender, slender nerve that moves the omnipotent muscle of God. We need to get on our knees and to be praying and to be believing God for our people. And then leave it with Him. See, the great thing is if you pray, you can leave it with him and the peace of God that transcends all understanding guards your hearts and your minds. You haven't got to keep grappling with it. You can pray, give it to him, and then as Isaiah 26 says, you'll keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed because he trusts in you. See, this Christmas, it's about giving and receiving gifts. It always is Christmas time. It's traditionally a time of love and worship, but I love what Colin shared before. You know, we always, we go before God and we think, well, what are you going to give me, God? 
You know, we're always asking him for things, petitioning him for things. But I believe that this is a great Christmas for us to turn that on its head and say, what are you giving him for Christmas? I think we've got the greatest opportunity in our history to shine for Jesus right now. Did you know that? The greatest opportunity. I think in decades to come, they're going to look back and say, wow, look at what God did back then. Look at how the church broke through in this nation back then. And I want to be, I am to be a part of that. Anybody with me? I want to make sure that what we are doing is going to transform our nation. Not just, give, just, not just have our own little pity party, but transform our nation. We've never had the chance to shine like this before, but we have to keep the main thing, the main thing, and champion Jesus Christ before our people, to turn our eyes upon Him. And the things of earth grow strangely dim. What a cool song. That could have been written for this hour. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth grow what? Strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. Paul said this, let me finish with this. Paul said this in Philippians 2. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Boy, I hate that verse. Okay, I'll say it again and be rebuked. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in this twisted and crooked generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. If we don't grumble and dispute, but if we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, we are going to shine like beacons out there. You with me? I want to share something with you. It's a song that I wrote many years ago. I was actually in church. It was Christmas time. And I had exactly the same thought pattern that Colin shared with us earlier. I was sitting here saying, God, you've given me so much. What have I ever given you? And so I said to the Lord, uh, I wasn't on stage, I was actually in the, the congregation. I said to the Lord, God, what can I give you for Christmas? Because it's about time you've got to give back from me. Have you ever thought like this? I'm probably the only one. Weird. But uh, it was really significant to me because I thought, you know, he gives us so much. Look at your home, your house, your car, your family. Look at the wonderful place in which we live. I've been communicating with some people in the United States. It's like 40 degrees below in some places up there. We live in a beautiful place, folks. We are so blessed. So I said, well, Lord, what can I give you for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? And he spoke a phrase into my heart. And the phrase was white hot passion. And I thought that is a weird phrase. I'd never heard it before. So I, I said, whatever it is, it's yours. I said, I, I said I'm going to give it to you, Lord. But he showed me that when you take a bit of metal and you heat it, like it goes through a series of color changes before it actually sort of liquefies or whatever when it gets super hot. So it starts off with a sort of a, a bluey hot. Then it goes to a, a red and then an orange and then a white hot. White hot is as hot as you can go. It's, it's the hottest it can be before it disintegrates. And the Lord was saying to me, I want a white hot passion. Not just a passion. We get passionate about lots of things. If you've seen me in front of a, a football match on TV, you'll see passion. Right? But we get passionate about stuff. But what he wants from us is a white hot passion. One that is so totally switched on and devoted to him that it will stop at nothing to serve Jesus. 
And that's what I want to give him this Christmas. And my question to you is, what are you going to give him for Christmas? Would you give him the same thing? Would you say, Lord, I know I've I've been blowing hot and cold a little bit, but right now, Lord, I want to give you a white hot passion. Not just red or blue. I want it to be white hot. Because I believe if we get passionate and we get prayerful, then we will see 2022 as the greatest year in our history. But it still comes down to the same thing. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Can I ask you to just close your eyes? I'm going to share this song with you and um, and ask you to sing it with me. Just close your eyes and ask you the question again, what are you going to give the Lord for Christmas this year? Give me a white hot passion Burning deep within A heart that truly serves you An intolerance of sin I have a zeal to know you I'll pay any price to grow Cleanse me from within And let my life begin With white heart passion I have loved you long before today Lord, I have served you But never found the way To be set on fire It's my heart's desire I have been there Doing what is right But you want so much more Than Sunday and Wednesday nights I'll pay any price living sacrifice to draw near to where you are why don't you stand with me the words are on the screen we'll sing it together come on stand up give me a white heart passion but a burn within A heart that truly serves you An intolerance of sin I have a zeal to know you I'll pay any price to grow Cleanse me from within And let my life begin With wide heart passion You know, it's one thing to sing it, but I'm going to ask you to respond to it. When I made this commitment to the Lord, it changed my life forever because everything looks different when you have a white-hot passion 